Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the EduBabble Emporium, where we help to make sense of everything going on in public education. My name is Tom O'Brien. I'm a 30-year public school teacher from Michigan. This is a common sense program that illuminates issues in public education with the goal of informing citizens in order to promote positive change for our schools, students, and communities. Our schools were initially founded on principles of decentralization, where direction for our schools lay in the hands of local powers, with parents being ultimately at the helm. Welcome to our discussion. We hope you use this podcast to gain some knowledge to help you get involved and make a difference in your local schools. Welcome to Podcast One, Episode One. Today, the title of today's podcast is Bringing Our Schools Back to Their Founding. And with the help of modern technology, we are honored to actually have a guest today. And you may have heard this name a time or two. His name is Thomas Jefferson. He will be with us the entire time today. Thomas, I would like to welcome you to Podcast One, Episode One of the Edge of Babel Emporium. Why, thank you so much, Thomas. It is indeed a pleasure to be here. I am happy to answer any questions that you may have and, well, hopefully shed some light on some of the issues that you are now confronted with some 200 years after my demise. Wow. I'm not used to that type of uh, old English, but uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, Thomas. And, uh, well, let me ask you a question. So, obviously, uh, in the year of 1813, you uh, had a discussion with John Adams regarding establishing a public educational system. Can you explain to me what you had as a vision for the public schools of this brand new United States of America? Why indeed I'd love to shed some light on that topic. Let me tell you that first off, I believed that a public educational system was going to be the keystone in the arch of our government. Now, it is important to know that I don't want a central standardized system of education to be controlled by the governing power of the country. Instead, I want a highly decentralized system in which small wards or districts would establish and control their own schools. I believe that uh, centralized authority would uh, take the business of elementary education into its own hands. And, and if state officials or federal officials were allowed to control the district these schools would be badly managed and depraved by abuses. Whoa, some strong words there, Thomas. But you know what? Uh, I can vouch for almost your prophetic wisdom because uh, that's kind of where we're at today. But I see that. Uh, so you you felt it was very important that um, that schools have their uh, control of their localities and uh, the ability to make decisions on a level that best suits them. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, 
the key to successful schools is that parents have direction and ultimate control over how their children are educated. Uh, they would be much better managed by any authority of the government. For only the parents can truly understand the needs of their own children. And of course, they have the best interest of their children in mind. Extreme decentralization, thus, is the centerpiece of my plan. And there will be consequences should that recommendation be ignored. Wow, again, amazing wisdom there, sir. I really, I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I have to add here that the, the distribution of power among federal, state, county, and local agencies is indispensable to the success of our system. It offers checks and balances. And you know, when a person is empowered to control their own destiny at the local level, they will feel that they are participating, truly participating in the government of affairs, not merely at an election one day in the year, but every day of life. And such a person will be honored to defend their liberty. As a matter of fact, that person will let their heart be torn out of their body sooner than let the power be wrestled from them by a Caesar or, or a Bonaparte. Oh, man, powerful words, sir. Well, hey, um, you know, are, are you okay kind of sticking around? We're going we're gonna to jump into, uh, into the future. We're going to jump all the way to 1958 at this point. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, uh, something... Um, that you may be totally foreign to you, um, communism or uh, totalitarian rule. <laughs> well, uh, absolutely, I am familiar with this. I, I would believe that uh, uh, an overly powerful centralized government system leads to corruption and deceit, and the people ultimately will be the victims in such a system. I am happy to stick around and I will comment when necessary. Thank you, sir. Boy, it's, it's again, such an honor to have you here today. Well, I want to talk about um, a book that was written in 1958 by political theorist, uh, Cleon Skousen. And what he did is, is he uh, predicted the current state of affairs that we're in in 2022, if this communism, this totalitarian mindset, were allowed to infiltrate the United States of America. And I think we can all vouch for the fact that indeed this is happening today. Um, and Skousen's book, wow, he just, uh, he was able to predict so many different things that, that are actually uh, coming true today. So let me just read some of the different things that uh, he was able to predict in this book. He he said there were going to be 45 steps that could lead to this communist takeover of the United States. And he's very insightful. And in step 20, he writes that there will be an infiltration of the press, that there will be control 
of book review assignments, editorial writing, and policy-making positions. Of course, he was right on all of those things. And while there certainly is a conservative media out there that is that is gaining steam, um, we can all acknowledge the fact that uh, the mainstream media is far left. I think a good example of that would be the manipulation, you know, manipulation of the information um, during the George Floyd riots. You know, there was massive violence, 164 structural fires, over 500 riots that took place, billions of dollars in damage, many injured and killed. And these were just deemed by the media as protests. And of course, uh, during the 2020 election, there was suppression of information about a lot of different things. And a lot of censorship continues to happen if you have views that are contrary to the mainstream. Why, well, it is hard for me to believe that this type of mindset, the communist mindset, was allowed to infiltrate into the United States. But as we all know, human nature, if not tempered, can indeed lead to some dreadful outcomes. Indeed, sir. Uh, step 24 of, of uh, um, Skouskin's book was to eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship in a violation of free speech and free press. Um, step 25 reads, uh, the goal is to break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. Why, I am not familiar with the various radio and TV you speak of, but indeed, pornography and the filth such as that is nothing but a devastating, devastating stream that can destroy not only a human being, but also, if allowed to grow out of control, an entire civilization. Well, I would agree, sir. I would totally agree with that. So now we're dealing with, in schools, we're dealing with um, obscenity in books in the classrooms, on the shelves in the classrooms and in the libraries. Uh, what do you think about that, sir? I mean, do you think that uh, um, to protect, you know, the freedom of press and, and freedom of speech, that kids should be exposed to this type of thing? Absolutely not. I do believe that schools are intended to protect the minds and the spirits the youth that are inside of them. It is not only the walls that protect, but it is also the ideologies that we must use to protect the spirit and the mind of these children. Oh, sir, I couldn't agree more. Very well put, very well put. Um, well, another thing that, uh, that Skousen said in The Naked Communist is he, uh, he foresaw in number step 30, he foresaw the current mania to deny the greatness of some of our founding fathers, such as George Washington and other iconic Americans. He saw the discrediting of the American founding fathers, including you, sir, Thomas Jefferson, as just selfish white European aristocrats that cared nothing about the citizenry that were racist and promoted slavery as the centerpiece for growth of the new United States. That is absolutely hogwash. 
If you read the letters and the writings of the Founding Fathers, you will see that most all of us, even those of us that owned slaves at the time, were abolitionists. We wanted to rid this country of slavery and saw that as the only way to truly be blessed by the Almighty. Sir, I know that. But, you know, it's, it's crazy that a lot of people don't know this. They just don't. How can they learn more? Why, you must read primary source documents that will give you the information that you need. There are many letters, including a letter that I wrote back and forth with the Danbury Baptist Church regarding the protection of our First Amendment rights. Sir, that is an, indeed a classic one. Um, are you talking about the time that you mentioned the separation of church and state? Well, absolutely. That letter and that statement, separation of church and state, was taken out of context and it was distorted and is used today to distort my true meaning. The true meaning was that the state does not ever have the right to press down on one's fundamental First Amendment rights. A right that was granted, an inalienable right that was granted by our Creator. The freedom of religion is the protector of humanity. Sir, I couldn't agree more. So what you're saying is that you didn't mean that uh, one's religious beliefs and state institutions should be totally separated. You meant that the state cannot infringe on one's First Amendment right. Is that what you meant by separating the state, keeping the state out of the personal decision of a person's First Amendment? That is absolutely what I meant, and it has been distorted and twisted in so many different ways for so long. I needed to straighten that out. Thank you, sir. I really do appreciate that. Wow, good stuff here. Boy, really happy that you're here. So anyway, as we continue on with this communist infiltration, you know, the schools have been inundated with various organizations today that have communist roots, such as uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, Patrice Cullors, who is, you know, one of the founders of this organization that supposedly looks out for the best interest of African-Americans, Black Americans, and those of color, and those with other minority classifications is admittedly a trained Marxist. And this person also, uh, in their writings, have degraded the priorities or importance of the family. Well, that is a shame. That is an absolute shame. Ah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly there. And so, as we continue to move on, there is something called the teachers union that also bears the stench of this Marxist ideology. Uh, teachers unions are not these benevolent organizations that supposedly care so much about the children, the parents, the taxpayers, or even a quality education. They are, um, they can be quite ruthless. They are a special interest group. And you know, even though between 50 and 60 percent of teachers union membership claim to be more conservative, close to 99% of the leadership within these unions 
declare themselves to be liberals, oftentimes liberal activists. As a matter of fact, the National Education Association, their playbook, kind of the roadmap of what they were going to follow, was established by a Marxist community organizer named Saul Alinsky in the 1960s. He was actually hired as a trainer for the NEA. And of course, he was the author of a book called Rules for Radicals. And Alinsky was a person that um, really was a driving force for a lot of the different game plans that the unions have followed since that time. The unions have become hyper-partisan. They really ostracize over half of their membership by their extreme views. And what's really ironic about that is they take such a a stance on issues such as um, abortion and um, gay marriage and various issues like that that are often very uh, deeply personal decisions that people make, but they advocate for these issues. And knowing that they are shutting out half of their membership at least, uh, they continue to do this. And then they are hypercritical when someone um, has a problem with that. And that's really a, that's really a, something that's a real shame. If you are truly representing your constituents, you should um, honor and represent all of your constituents. 